All right, good morning, Pathway. You guys glad to be at church this morning? Amen. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here. If you're new, welcome. Thank you so much for coming and checking us out today. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, we believe that uh, what God has for you, what God wants for you, and the three main things that we do as a church, simply this, we, we are here to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. That's what we are all about. Everything we do revolves around that. And so again, thanks for coming and, and being with us and, and checking us out today. We are in the middle of a historic time at Pathway. We're only five years old as a church, so we're still very, very young. Um, and, and we're in the historic time because, uh, as we've announced several weeks ago, that God has led us to and provided a permanent home building for us as a church. And we are excited about that. In fact, this morning, uh, after we set everything up, I ran over there, looked at it real quick. It's, it's uh, you know, when you get something new and you just want to stare at it all day. That's, that's how I feel. And uh, really excited. We're going to have some prayer time at the building coming up in the next few weeks and months. And uh, so a few work days. Uh, right now, again, there's exposed nails and wires everywhere. It's not safe for anybody, but uh, it is exciting. And, and so as God has led us to that, we're, we're in a season. We're doing a season series uh, called This Changes Everything, and because we believe that what God has led us to is going to change everything in our lives personally, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our community, uh, and that's really what everything is all about. We'll never be the same. We're going to go from being portable, where we have to set everything up, tear everything down every Sunday. We have to get out of here in a hurry because they're showing Mario uh, in, in the next theater over, right, to where, man, we can just stay there all day, and that's the next, that's, that's the next step up in our home, and we're looking forward to that again. Should be in there around uh, late summer, early fall, and uh, so just excited about that. Man, God is really moving at Pathway uh, in big ways. People are being healed of things they've prayed about for months and months, and we give God the glory for that. And uh, there's a, a revival happening in our women's group, uh, our women's small group. Um, it, it's amazing. And every week, it's just like more and more uh, women show up. And God is doing some really deep things there. So I just say a couple things. One, if you're uh, here and you're a lady, I encourage you, go to go to ladies' group. Uh, they just had it this Tuesday, so they'll have it next Tuesday. You need to get into that. And then I'd say this, men, a couple things. One, encourage your spouse to go. Encourage your wife to to go because it's going to help her uh, and help you, and and uh, she needs that in her life. You need it in your marriage, and then also, guys, we got to step up our game because we have men's group this Wednesday night. Men's group at Qdoba, right here, just like right across the street, almost. And so we encourage all the men to come out. It's going to be great, and we're excited what God is doing. Our big prayer for this series, and I honestly see God doing it. I really, really do. But as I've told you before, I had one main prayer when we started pathway five years ago, and that was simply this. God, I'm not as concerned about how big the church is, and, and, and I believe it's going to be big one day, but God, my number one prayer is really this. I want to see you. It was a selfish prayer. I want to see you move in a way I've never seen you before. God, I want to see you do things in my life and in this community and in this church that I've never seen, that I've only read about, I've only heard about. I want to be an eyewitness. And five years ago from day one, God has been doing that time and time again. 
again. And so can I be honest, that's been my prayer for each one of you that I pray every day, multiple times a day. God, in this, uh, this Changes Everything series that we're doing, I pray that you would elevate the faith of every person at Pathway that considers this their church family, that you would elevate their faith, do some supernatural things in their life that they've not really planned for and anticipated, like blow the lid off of their expectation. And I think God is already doing that. And so, man, I just encourage you to be all in in this series, in this season that God has us in. This is not a season to just kind of sit on the sidelines and be an observer. You got to be all in, get on the field, get on the court, get in the game because God is moving. And and I just want to see him raise your faith to do supernatural things in your life. I've heard a quote, and this is truly one of my prayers for my life. I want to live where the supernatural becomes natural. In other words, where God is doing so many supernatural things time and time again, where it's just kind of a, a regular occurrence in my life. And, and I believe that God's doing that. And so that's a series that we're in. And the Bible talks a lot about that. We've been in a series talking about giving, and, 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 and this is a series we're going to have the next several weeks as well, all leading up to Sunday, May 7th. And the Bible covers this really extensively through the New and Old Testament. But in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a really interesting thing that happens, and we're going to dive in in just a minute. I want to give you a quick background so when we dive in, it makes a little more sense to you. But in the Old Testament, we're going to read about true story. All these places and people are real historical people. This really happened. The Bible is accurate. We're going to read about a guy named Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet, which means he was the chief kind of spiritual leader of the nation of Israel uh, about, um, you know, 2,800 years ago, something like that. This is about 800 years before Jesus. And and Elijah's like the head guy, spiritually speaking. He speaks to the nation on behalf of God and to God on behalf of the nation. He's the main guy. Uh, He also speaks truth to power, and it doesn't always go well for him. Uh, God always takes care of him, but in the moment, it can be tough. And in that time, we're going to read in a book called Kings, and it's called Kings because it's about the kings of Israel during this time period. And there's, it was such a big book that they divided it like part one and part two. And we're going to look at Kings, and they're talking about all the different kings that Israel had. Some of them were good. In fact, very few were good. Most of them were bad. And in that day, much like our own culture today, the Bible's not ancient history. It happens today. As the leadership goes of a family, of an organization, of of a business, of a nation, of a state, so does the people. And that just happens. And so if you have a really wicked person in leadership, you're going to have people that follow into that. If you have a godly person, you're going to have people that follow that. Well, in this time, they have a really wicked king, kind of a crazy guy. He had a really interesting life. He's an interesting dude named Ahab. He was the king, King Ahab. And he married a lady named Jezebel. Jezebel was not even Jewish. She was kind of from their arch enemy. And uh, because he was married to Jezebel, Jezebel didn't believe in the God of the Bible. And so Jezebel believed in all these idols, all these false statues and, and figurines of gods. And so Jezebel convinces Ahab and the nation, hey, don't pray to God, pray to my little statues and figurines, and that's what they do. And so God says, well, hey, look, if you're asking them to send rain on your land, I mean, they didn't have irrigation like what we have now and and ways we can take care of crops in a famine. It was feast or famine with the rain. And God says, hey, look, uh, if you're not going to ask me for the rain and you're going to pray to these little statues, 
good luck. Like, I just, I'm not going to force it onto you. Just let it happen. And that happens, by the way, to us today. If we put our trust more in our bank account than God, then God will say, hey, I'm not going to force you to trust me. Let's just see how it works out for you, right? And that's what happened. And so Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says, hey, look, God said, basically, until you turn your heart around and turn back to me, uh, it's not going to rain. And that's exactly what happened. And that day, it didn't rain for three years. And quickly, their economy crashed. There's no food. There's nothing. There's no backup plan. I mean, it is it. People are starving to death. There's, there's reports of cannibalism. I mean, it's a horrific time. With that in the background, let's dive in. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 says this, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. So by the way, this is not in Israel. He's going out of the country. He's going to the northwest part out of Israel to foreigners. In fact, Zarephath and and the area of Sidon is where Jezebel was from. This is her hometown. And so these people don't believe in God necessarily. And so he says, God says, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup, a little cup of water? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, hey, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. In fact, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Like, that's selfish, right? All right, then he goes on. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. And I love verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. I love this, and it's an amazing story, and, and, and just to break it down a little bit, I, I always try to think of what's the big idea, what's the main thing that that paragraph or so teaches us, and for me, the big takeaway would really be this, that God gives to giving people. I mean, I, I notice this, that uh, in verse 11, that, that he says, hey, give to me first. In other words, uh, God is speaking through Elijah. He's using Elijah. So it's as if God is speaking to this widow. We don't even know her name. And he says, hey, you know, that's fine that you want to make some food for your family. And you have just a handful of flour left. But give it to me first. I mean, this is the whole principle. God says, if you will give to me first, I will always take care of you on the back end, that you will always have more than enough. And that's exactly what she does. I love, uh, in in verse 15, that she obeys. Then it said she did exactly what Elijah said. What if she she obeys and she, she follows through in faith? What if she would have kept it to herself? What if she would have said, you know, Elijah, I I don't really know that I believe in your God because there's an an inference there that she does believe, but we're not sure because she's, you know, what if she would have said, I just, honestly, I mean, 
it's me and my son, that's it. There is no social security. There's no program to help us out. There's no governmental assistance. This is just me and my son. We are about to die a slow, painful death of starvation. And so, and, and let's just be totally honest. If she was going to church and she was to ask her five church friends, they would probably tell her, I don't think God would tell you to do that. I mean, that's radical, lady. I mean, you're a widow. God cares about widows. And I mean, why would God ask you to give the very last that you have to him first? That, that just doesn't make sense. And, and God, God doesn't do that. That's probably what Christian people would say. But instead, she obeys. She doesn't really always know how it's going to work out. I mean, Elijah says that God says he'll take care of her, but she doesn't know that for sure. It's not like she has a degree in theology or a PhD. She doesn't really know the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. She's not 100% sure how it's going to work out, and yet she obeys and acts in faith anyway. And I love verse 16. Because she obeyed while everyone else starved, she had more than enough. In the middle of a famine, everyone else is starving to death and dying, but her and her son, they've always have enough. God always takes care of them until the rain comes. For the next several years, they're taken care of. Like when you are, listen, when you are faithful to the things of God and put him first in every area of your life, you will live in a day of blessing while everybody else around you is starving and falling away. This is the truth of God's word. In fact, it's so true that Jesus, about 800 years later, would say that very thing. Jesus would say in the New Testament, the first book called Matthew, Matthew was an eyewitness follower of Jesus. And Jesus says this, that seek me first. In other words, put me first and then I'll take care of everything else in your life. This is a God principle for your life. There is no gray area. There's no debate about it. You put God first, whether you have an abundance or you have down to your last handful of flour, your last few dollars in the bank account, put him first and he will take care of everything else in your life. Even while everybody else around you is suffering, you're going to have a blessed life. Because you put him first. That's exactly what's going on. In fact, I, this is so cool. I love this story so much because, again, 800 years later, when Jesus is on the scene, he's in his hometown of Nazareth. This is a place he grew up. And he's in his home, home synagogue, and like a home church, and they asked him to preach that day. And so Jesus stands up and he begins to preach. And, and Jesus isn't always interested in our comfort level. He's interested in the truth. And so um, I, I love Jesus says this. He says, hey, and, and you got to understand the context. He's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. And he says, hey, um, do you guys remember about 800 years ago there was such a severe famine? People were eating each other. It was horrible. People were dying. Like, yeah. He said, do you remember in that that weren't there a lot of widows right here in Israel, God's chosen people? Wouldn't there be a lot of widows that are starving? Yeah. And yet, isn't it interesting that God sent Elijah not to a Jewish home, but to a foreigner who really didn't even necessarily believe in God in the beginning and save her family? This offended them so much so because what Jesus was really saying is, hey, I know that you think you're special because, you know, you're God's people, but, but it's not really about your ancestry. It's about your faith and what God is doing today in your life. And, and because of that, you guys don't have the faith that this old widow lady had 800 years ago who wasn't even Jewish, and she lived in a time of blessing when the Jews' widow ladies here were starving. 
It offended the people so much that they literally kicked him out of the synagogue, took him to the edge of a cliff, and tried to throw him off the cliff and kill him, but he escaped. I mean, this is an amazing thing. But here's the point. This woman made such an impact on the mind of God that when God comes down 800 years later as a human being called Jesus the Christ, when God comes down, he is still talking about this woman. I want to live that way. I want that to be my, my legacy. That 800 years, if Jesus doesn't return for 800 years, and let's hope for all of our sake that he does. But if he doesn't, I hope that people generations from now are talking about my faith and your faith. And this changes everything. And the season that God was moving, they were all in. And, and it didn't make sense. And, and everybody else said, no, don't give during that time. No, don't do that. And yet they gave anyway. And God blessed them. It's not about your heritage. It's not about what church you go to. It's not about your degree in theology. All that stuff is great. It's about your faith today. What do you believe about God right now? That's what matters. That's what's going on with this woman. Here's the, here's the interesting thing I think that stands out to me is I'm blessed to be a blessing. This woman didn't keep it. She gave it. Listen, can I tell you, you're blessed with your time, with the gifts and talents that God has given you, and with your finances. You're blessed with whatever you have to be a blessing. You are not blessed to keep it. You are not blessed to say, look at what I have. No, no, no. You're blessed to say, this is what God gave me. How can I give it? God gave it so I can give it. That's the principle. And so, like, that's the thing of the woman. I mean, and, and if there's ever a true illustration of that, it's this widow. I mean, do her last, I mean, think about that. Ladies, think about, let's say your husband, you know, passes away, and if that kind of excites you, we'll do counseling, okay? Uh, well, come talk to me. Well, that's another message. But, but hopefully it would make you sad. But let's say your husband passes away, and it's just you and the kids, and there's no government assistance, there's no life insurance policy, there's no other income, there's nothing. And you have no more money left, and the people that are supposed to help take care of you don't. And it's down to literally the last box of cereal in your home. And not just the last box. The, like the very end where there's just the crumbs, right, at the very end. And you say, we're going to eat this and then die. And yet, what if I showed up at your house and said, hey, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But first, give me the bowl of cereal. What would you do? I mean, you're like, that's insane. So it was with this woman, but it was real. And she obeyed. There was no hesitation. There was no, let me go pray about it myself. Let me think about it. No, she said, God, if this is what you're asking me to do, I don't have all the theology figured out in my head, but God, I'm going by faith, not by sight. And God, if you're asking me to give it, I'll give it. You'll take care of it on the back end. God, you're faithful no matter what. That's with this woman, blessed to give it, not keep it. I would just say this. Can God trust you with money, with finances? And the flip side of that, can you trust God with finances? Maybe it's not just finances. Maybe it's a, a talent or your time or whatever. But for the sake of our discussion here, when this woman, the, the idea is whatever you have, you give. And we're in a season of, of giving Siri's trying to talk to me. We're in a series of, of giving. And so what if that's the case? And we'll just talk about finances that can you trust God 
In other words, it would go like this. God, you're asking me to give towards the new building for Pathway. And again, we're not asking you to give right now. We're asking you to ask God. And on Sunday, May 7th, that's the day that it's kind of the big give day. We want to know kind of where we're at financially. And, and, and so as you're praying about that right now, I think, you know, that's a two-way discussion. Can you trust God? God, kind of like this widow, I'm not in that dire straits, but I really don't have that much in my bank account. But as I'm praying, God, I know that I know you're leading me to give this amount, whatever amount that is. And, and if we're just really to examine your heart, what you're really saying, and, and, and please, I've been there, so it's not offensive at all to think this way. It's almost like, can I really trust you, God? It's not that my heart doesn't want to give. I want to give. I'm a generous person. Think, I think all of us are generous people. But my question is, what about the back end? What about two months from now when I do got to make my house payment and there's just enough in my bank account to make my house payment for this month? What about next month? What are you going to take care of me? What about my car payment? What about my student loan payment? What about my credit card payment? Whatever it is. I mean, God, I, I really believe you're leading me to give this. I'm like the widow. I, I, I want to do it. But are you going to take care of me on the back end? Can I trust you is what you're really saying. And can I tell you, on the opposite side, I just wonder sometimes if God doesn't look at us and say, I would love to give you more. I'd love to bless your socks off. I would love to give you so much. Open the windows of heaven and all the stuff that people talk about. I'd love to just pour out a blessing that you can't contain, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'd love to do that. But can I trust you with the money? Because I, I, I can trust the widow because I asked her to give what little she had. I mean, it's different, it's different if God coming up in your house and he said, hey, give me flour. Oh, I got all kinds of flour. It's different if God says, hey, I want you to give financially to this building. I got all kinds of money. We're not talking about that. We're talking about giving till it hurts. Giving generously. Giving where it doesn't make sense even to other Christians. Giving to where it's a legacy type of giving. This woman gave a legacy gift so much so that her legacy lived for 800 years and now we could say 2800 years that out of the mouth of Jesus himself came her story not just her story but as an example Jesus is holding this woman on a pedestal and we don't even know her name she wasn't even Jewish to say that's the faith I want that's the faith that I love because she understood it's not her to keep it's hers to give and she understood I can trust you with the rest that I have I'm all in I'm all in. And so God says, because of that, I can trust you, and I can give you more. Maybe God's saying that about you financially. Maybe it's, God, that, that, that I, I think I can trust you. You'll take care of me on the back end. But right now, I wonder if God is saying, can I trust you? If I give you an abundance financially, are you going to keep it? Oh, man, thank you, God, for the blessing. Oh, now I can pay the bills off, and I can be debt-free. And that's wonderful. We, you should be debt-free. Oh, but now, I can, now we can really go on vacation. Now, now I can really pay for my kids' college. No, 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 no. No, God's saying, I, I didn't give it for that. That's fine if you want to use it for that stuff. God wants you to have a nice vacation and pay for your kids' college, of course. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it, God says, I give, and I want to be able to trust you. How can I trust you that you give it away? Here's the, here's the, you know, the practical application for this. It's simply this. When God gives it, in other words, when he gives you this refund on taxes that you weren't planning on, or when God gives you the bonus that you weren't expecting, or just there's a, some kind of uh, financial miracle that happens in your life, as soon as you get it, this is how you know you're like the widow. As soon as you get it, you're not thinking, how am I going to spend it? You're thinking, God, what do you want me to do with it? I didn't even say, listen, hear me. I didn't even say you're thinking, how can I give it? No, 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 no. 
How can I spend it? No. How can I give it? No. God, what do you want me to do with it? That must be your prayer. And God may say, I just want to bless you with it. Yeah, go to Disney or go do whatever. Just go have fun. Blow it. Whatever. That's great. God may say, I want you to give all of it. God may say, I want you to keep half and give half. Who knows? But when your first thought, when you get that money is, what do you want me to do? That's when you know you're like the widow. And that is Jesus' goal and desire and will for every person in this room. I think we got to move. I was thinking about this. It hit me Friday night. My wife and I were talking. We were coming home uh, from, from someone's house. And, and this thought, we were, as we were talking, it really hit me. And I knew that, that this was from God for today. But I think there's, I just wonder, I would say it like this, that there's the what if mindset versus the how good mindset. And some of us live in the what if land. The land of what if is the land where the enemy lives. And it's the land where, where all the time he whispers in your mind, what if you don't get healed? What if it's like this forever? What if your marriage never gets better? What if, what if you always struggle with this sickness? What if you're always poor? What if God doesn't answer your prayer? What if you always struggle? What if your kids don't talk to you ever again? What if your kids are a mess? What if, what if you're a horrible parent just like your parents were? What if it does end in divorce? And you live in the land because that's where the end. What if? What if an accident happens and it, and, it, and it takes the life of so-and-so? What if you lose something? That, what if you do go bankrupt? And then we can live. We can love Jesus, but we live in the land of what if. Can I tell you, I don't want to live in the land of what if. I want to live in the land of how good. The land of how good says this. Oh, I tell you how good my God is. He answered this need and this need and this need. And he met this and, and God did this in my life and that in my life. I tell you how good God is. He's done miracle after miracle. And and provided when it didn't make sense, I live in the land. Whenever the enemy says, what if it doesn't work? I say, uh-uh. I shut that sucker down and say, let me tell you how good my God is, how awesome he is, how faithful he is. That's why I've shared before. I keep a list, and I'm going to share through this time. Of, uh, and right now, if you want to know where we're at, we're at number 45. I have 45, just in the last five years, major miracles that God has done in my family and in my life. 45. I write them down, and that's why it's my how good list. And so whenever the enemy, what, what if you don't have enough? What if this doesn't? I, no, 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 uh -uh. I shut that down in the name of Jesus. I pull out my how good list, and I begin to read it, and God did this in my life. And, and I put the date and the time so it's all factual and God did that and he did that and the Bible says this that God is good and I begin to encourage myself in the Lord and so that by the time I get to like number four on my how good list I am worshiping Jesus to the top of my lungs and I don't care what anybody says because I've just escaped the land of what if because I'm living in the land of how good and it builds my faith that's my prayer for you that God would build your faith in this season that God has us in I mean, to give you a couple of them, and some of these I've, I've shared before, many of them I haven't, and I just very quickly, there was, uh, I've shared this one I think a few times, um, one of the first times that, that God did something amazing, he's done, he's done, he's done a lot, but um, Pathway was uh, just about a year old, we were, in fact, we, it was our first birthday as a church, so it was in September of uh, 2018, and we were uh, about a year old, well, the weekend before that, 
Um, we, I felt all summer that God was wanting us on our one-year birthday to give a car, a used car away to a single mom in the area. And so uh, I just began to pray, just felt really strongly to do that. So begin to pray about that, what God would have us to do, how that would look. And, and we showed the video before. We took a video of it and we showed it before. But but just felt God leading us to do that and uh, found this single mom that, that needed, didn't have a vehicle at all, had to walk like a mile to her daughter's school in the snow and the rain and the cold and the heat, and found a vehicle that actually had less miles on it than both of my, my vehicle and my wife's vehicle like combined. It had, had very low miles on it. it. I mean, I would drive it in a heartbeat. It was a very nice vehicle. And, but the problem was uh, Pathway at that point only had like $300 in our bank account. And, and that was it. In fact, we didn't have enough money. This was on a Friday, Saturday. We didn't have enough money to pay payroll on Monday. And I don't share this out loud because I don't want our staff to freak out, but, but that's just the truth. And, um, and we've been there more than once, and I'll share you more stories in, in the coming weeks. But, but we didn't, didn't have it. And, um, and so, uh, but I felt God leading us to do this. And so we, were, we had a worship night, and at this worship night, um, the, the worship team was singing and playing, and, and I was worshiping. I had my hands raised as if I was worshiping, but in the back of my mind, I had this conversation, and just, you know, we've all been there, right? So no judgment on me, because you've been there too. You got your hand raised, you're singing it, but you're thinking about something totally different, all right? We've been there. Um, and so that was going on, and the conversation in my mind was, man, God, I know you want us to give for this, for this car, but, um, you know, Pathway doesn't have it. And, and, and at that time, we, my wife and I had given everything we had to start Pathway. We had just a very, very little amount left over, and that amount was to help us buy a house. We were just renting for two years. They kept raising our rent every single month where we financially couldn't afford to stay there. We had to go. And so we're praying about this, and, and, and I, was, I was, in my mind, holding on to that deposit money for a home. Didn't have a home in mind yet, but I knew, like, this is it. And I did something that I haven't ever done before or since because of this. I learned the lesson, but I was white-knuckling that money in my mind. Like, I got, I've just got to have, I'm not being selfish, but I just got to have it for my family. And I felt, I don't feel, I know that God spoke to me and said, I want you to give that money that you had. It wasn't a lot. I want you to give that money to Pathway, and then Pathway go buy the car for this lady. Because it was the exact amount that Pathway needed to buy the car. And, and that we had. And I'm not saying this to, to say, look at me. I'm not, okay? But, but so I, the first thought was, no. <laughs> like, my first thought was, no, God, that, I don't, I mean, that's for, for us. Like, that's for, don't you care about us? And I really felt God say, would you really withhold that from me? Of all that I've done in your life and all that I'm about to do in your life, would you really let this dollar amount stand in between? And man, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it gripped me like I've never been gripped before. Instantly, I said, I'm sorry, you're right. And I, I begged God to forgive me. And, and, and it wasn't like he was you know, mad or disappointed or you're scum. It wasn't like that. But, but I just felt this disappointment that as much as I've done for you, you would hold this back. I didn't give that to you to keep, I gave it to you to give. And I learned that lesson. As I was talking about earlier, I've learned, I'm not just telling you something that, that's in theory or you're learning at pastor school. I've lived it. I've been there. So from that, I said, God, from this moment on, everything I have really is yours. And every time you give me any money or anything else, it's automatic. I'm just going to ask, what do you want me to do with it? You want me to keep it? Great. You want me to give it? It's yours. And so that's what we did. We went home that night. Uh, the next day, really, because the bank was closed. We transferred the money to Pathways Bank account. We went, we bought the car. 
Gave it to the, didn't tell, just my wife and I were the only people that knew about it. Gave it to this lady. It was great. It was an amazing thing. It was wonderful. The next day, that was Saturday. So Friday night was the worship night. Saturday night, we bought the car. The next, and then, and then by the way, at that point, Pathway has zero in the bank account. Like, we got zero. And so it's our first birthday. We're like, congrats, first birthday. This is great. It's great. I'm like, yeah, we have no money. So that's what was in my mind. But I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be like the widow. I'm going to be faithful. I don't have any money for a home now. Uh, I don't have any money for Pathway. But, you know, we'll see. God asked me to do it. We'll just see what happens. The next day, I'm, I'm greeting people as they're leaving, and as I'm greeting people as they're leaving, we had food trucks and inflatables and all the stuff, and uh, a little boy about, about eight years old comes up to me and says, uh, hey, Brian, they, they need you in the account room where they're counting the, the giving, and okay, and, and you know, to be honest with you, anytime that someone says, I need to talk to you, it's never, I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job. I love you, and I believe in you. It, it's usually like, let me tell you three things that I hate about you, and why I'm leaving the church. It's usually, just to be honest with you, all right, I'm being real, and so, so that's what I was expecting, and I opened the door, and there's about three or four people counting the giving that day, and, and someone, they don't even look at me, they just hand me this check, and it's, and it, you know, it's a bigger check. And I look at it, and it was made out to Pathway Church for $10,000. That's amazing. Here's the cool thing. That check was issued 10 days prior. It was someone's stock market account that they had to liquidate part of their stocks, and they had to sell the stock, process it, transition it. It's a, it's a several-day process. Get the check, get the check to Pathway. All this stuff, it took 10 days. Here's the thing. The answer was already on the way. I just had to be faithful in the meantime. Now, let me, let me make a point. Did that, it was Brian and Crana that gave the money for the car. Was the check made out to Brian and Crana? No. Is made out the pathway. Listen, we don't give to get. That's not true. It's not biblical. It's wrong. Now, does God do that at times? Absolutely, he does. Yes. But is that why we give? No, 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 no. No, we give because, God, you gave it first of all. And so I just, how can I be a good steward of that? What do you want me to do with it? So that, that was an amazing, amazing thing. Um, there was another one just a few years ago. And again, I wrote all these down. This is like number 38 and 39 on my list. Okay, uh, here's the next one. In February 2021, if you remember that time, that was when the severe ice storm of 100 years, it was like the ice age, right? And everything was frozen and it was cold and, you know, minus zero for five days. And it was a bad thing. And even here at the theater, uh, we couldn't have church for a week or two because the pipes burst in the women's restroom and it was crazy. And uh, during that time, I had read in, in the, the newspaper, uh, yeah, I read the newspaper, I'm old, <laughs> but I read the newspaper, it's digital, so I'm kind of new, but I read in the newspaper that there was a predominantly, this is according to the article, not my words, um, but uh, in downtown Oklahoma City, there was a predominantly African-American church that their pipes had frozen and burst and ruined all of their sound equipment, all of their electronic equipment, ruined their carpet, ruined everything, and it was thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. And, and sometimes I read those articles and I'm like, man, I'll pray for you. Like that stinks. But this was a moment where I knew God was gripping my heart. You, pathway needs to do something. You need to do something. So I just pray, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What, what is it? And I felt like God said, I want you to, it wasn't a lot. I mean, by any means, but I want you to give him $500. So I wrote a note to this, never met him, didn't know him, wrote a note, Put a check from Pathway, $500, sent it to him. I've never heard back from this guy. He's never contacted me. That's fine. I don't care. That's not why I did it. So I honestly, that was like 
Wednesday, we'll say, of that week. I can't remember exactly. Wednesday, Thursday. So we gave it. I forgot all about it, truly. Forgot all about it. And listen, by the way, that we do a lot of that with your giving. We, we don't sit on it. We give it as much as we can. We don't report all of it all the time because it just happens all the time. And we don't report it to say, oh, look at us. We're a great church. That's not why we do it. We do it to be faithful to what God obeys us to do. But so I sent it that Sunday. In addition to our weekly normal giving that people give, we had someone give $1,200 cash. Okay, which is amazing. Just word of caution, if you can give any other way but cash, that would be great, especially that much money. Okay, for accountability's sake and everybody's sake, just, you know, um, $1,200 cash, anonymously. Don't know who it was to this day, $1,200. Someone else who doesn't come to Pathway on a regular basis, they come a few times here and there, gave $1,000. This is on top of our normal weekly giving of what you give. The, the amazing thing is I was faithful on like Wednesday of that week to give the 500 That week and above our normal giving, there was $2,200 came in. God is faithful when you're fit. Can God trust you with finances and can you trust him? I hope the answer is yes to both of them for you. And here's the last that I would just say, just for this week, we'll share more next week, but um, a few years ago, um, my truck, we, we have about, uh, especially at the high school, all of our equipment to do church every weekend is in this trailer. Um, it's a big trailer, and it weighs about 10, 12,000 pounds, and my truck is not quite rated to pull that much weight. But we don't go very far. We go really slow, and it's okay. But after, you know, the first three years or so, my transmission was shot, I think, a lot in due to hauling that trailer, and the engine was messed up, transmission was shot. In fact, the mechanic, I'll repair it, and he's like, it's not even worth being repaired, just get rid of it. I was like, okay. The problem was, um, in February of that year, or January, rather, uh, my wife and I, we had just bought a new vehicle for her. Now, not, not brand new, but it was new to us. It was used. We bought a, a new vehicle for her. So all of our down payment money, all of our saving money for that was, was just to this vehicle that we have now. And we had nothing left. I mean, there was nothing left to buy a vehicle for me. I mean, it was the worst time to buy a vehicle. And so I just began to pray because I had learned enough of these, of these lessons that God has taught me that, God, you're going to take care of this. I've been faithful. I trust you with money. You trust me. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just know you're going to do it. And now I live to the point where I get a little excited, not when chaos happens, not like that, but I know a miracle's coming in a way that is just going to glorify God. It had nothing to do with me. Just glorify God and point people to faith in him so that your faith will rise in him. Some of us have faith that God will heal you, but you don't have faith that God will provide financially. So you have faith that God will save you. And think about this. Is it easier to have faith that God will save you from hell and take you to heaven or that God will provide the financial miracle that you need? Well, it's a bigger leap to say God will save me, right? So if God will save you, then how much more will he take care of your daily needs? And Jesus talks about that. So I just begin to pray. God, I don't know how. I just begin to pray. Several weeks go by. It wasn't an instantaneous thing, to be honest. Several weeks. In fact, it was about six weeks go by. I'm, and I'm looking at, as we had somebody else haul the trailer for that time, I'm praying, I'm looking, I'm praying, I'm looking, nothing. And in one week, we had someone, I'll get it right, I wrote it down. In one week, that was still kind of towards the end of COVID when the government was uh, handing out the stimulus checks. And regardless of how you feel about that stimulus, I just don't care. But the government gave our family $5,600 in a stimulus check. 
Later on in that week, someone else gave $3,400 to my wife and I. I didn't ask them for it, wasn't planning on it, didn't, didn't tell them. Just, we just praying. And in what, six weeks go by, nothing. I'm just praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I don't have a vehicle. We're down to one vehicle family, but I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. God, you're going to take care of it. I don't know how, I don't know when. I'm excited to see how. You're going to take care of it. And in one week, $5,600 and $3,400. The exact amount that I had kind of been looking uh, for a new vehicle, for, for a new truck. And so with that, I went, we, we found the truck, we bought it. It's the truck I still drive today. It's right here behind this wall uh, that hauls the pathway trailer all the time. And I call it my miracle truck. Every time I get in, I get a little excited, I get a little goosebumps because it's a miracle truck that God provided that didn't make sense. I didn't come up with the money. God did it as a miracle, and it's a testament to his faithfulness. God answers. Here's the thing. Please hear me. Make a difference, not just a living. Make a difference, not just a living. Make a legacy. Leave a legacy, not a living. Good grief. I mean, what a pathetic existence as a human on planet Earth. That What are you here for? I'm here to make a living. I'm here to be a good husband, a good mom. Oh, that's fine. But really, like, that's it? That's, that's your purpose? No. Make a difference. In fact, that's the third thing that we believe God wants for your life is to make a difference. You are here and you are at your job, not just for the paycheck. God can get the paycheck to you anyway. It's not about making a living in your life. It's about making a difference. I don't want to preach at your funeral and say, they made a living. No. I want to look down at your casket and say, this person right here at Pathway, they made a difference every moment of their life. Everything that they did, they were like the widow of Zarephath. They made a difference. That's what it's all about. This woman, her simple act of faith produced a miracle. Think about that. I mean, her simple act of faith was it, did, did, did God tell her, I want you to climb Mount Everest to prove to me how much you love me? No. He said, I want you to memorize the whole Bible and quote it back and then quote it in Spanish and quote it and back to prove it. No. I want you to get a, a PhD in theology and doctorate. No. I just want you to give the last flower that you have. Some of you, uh, to be honest, if God said, you can give me the last bit of your finances or you can climb Mount Everest, some of you, I'll climb Mount Everest. <laughs> I'll go, I'll swim across the Atlantic Ocean, okay? I, but to, no. No, God says, just give me what you have. He doesn't need a lot. And listen, please hear me. What is just a little flower in your hands when you give it in his hands is a supernatural miracle that he will use to change your life forever. He doesn't need a lot. And again, 800 years later, Jesus is teaching all day long and people are getting hungry and they don't know what to do. And Jesus says, bring me whatever you have. And they bring a sack lunch from a little boy that was five small pita loaves of bread and two dried up dead fish. Disgusting. I would, I'd, I'll fast that day, Jesus. Thanks. But everybody else loved it. And he took what little they had, and there was so much left over that it fed 30,000 people, and they had 12 baskets full left over. He doesn't need a lot. He just wants you to live with an open hand. He just wants you to give whatever it is he's given you already. It's for some of you, like, ah, that's tough. You need to be praying about that. That's why we're not asking you to give right now. We are asking you to pray about it until May 7th. 
This is the vision of pathway. Every miracle begins with a simple act of obedience. Rarely does God just poof, do miracles out of thin air. No, in fact, almost every time in the Bible, it's the result of someone doing one simple act of obedience. Because she gave what little she had. She was able, God blessed her, and she was, her belly and her son's belly was full every night where everybody else around her starved. This can be your story. This is what God wants for you. Make a difference, not just a living. Again, this is the vision. It's not a question. We know God is leading us here as a church. We know that we don't want to go to the bank and take out a loan. We want to be good stewards. And I believe it'll be a miracle that you can say I was a part of. And you can tell your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors and your family, people that don't know Jesus yet, you know, decades from now, when you're much older in your life, you can look back and say, I gave what little I had to be part of the bigger miracle of what God was doing. And now as a result, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, their life has been changed forever our community has changed because i was like the widow i gave what little i had be praying about that till may 7th let's pray father we thank you so much for the truth of your word